0: Amen. Hallelujah. Yeah. Praise God. Thank you. So great to be with you in God's house and celebrating who he is. Welcome you that are online. Blessed to be here. Today is a significant and amazing day. Uh, We do have youth in this service in the back. I apologize for last service. Things just sometimes happen, just like the camera being out this life. We're just learning and walking and growing together. So let's stretch a little bit. Did you spend at least five minutes a day, at least five days last week reading or listening to God's word? If you did, say yes. Just yes. spend some time alone with God this week with no agenda? Yes. Do you know what the Holy Spirit is saying to you? Yes. Are you giving as God has asked you to give in your time, your talents, and your resources? Yes. Did you share Jesus with someone this week? Yes. Did you invite someone to church with you today? Yes. Awesome. Thank you. This is Memorial Weekend. It's also another celebration weekend, but we're going to pause right here in this moment and understand that we want to thank those who have given their lives in service to our nation for freedoms like this freedom, to be able to come to church today, to be able to worship Jesus, to be able to celebrate God and to do all these things that we're blessed to do. I know that our nation is falling apart all around us. It's because we've turned our back on God. But today, we still have the celebration of our life and worship and allowed to do this. And we want to praise God and understand that this freedom was purchased by the lives of others that have done that for us. And so if you have lost a relative family member in service, we're going to ask you to stand for just a moment. Uh, There we go. We got some in the back there, here, in the back over here. So we want to pause and just say thank you to you and your family and sorry for your loss. My family as well has lost uh, two uncles. My mother's brothers were killed in World War II. She had three brothers. Two of them were killed. And uh, we know that our family was changed forever. A few years back, I was thinking about that, like all that I never saw as a result of that sacrifice. And so we understand and say thank you for that. We also recognize that this Memorial Day is about those in service, but we also have first responder families that have... A sacrifice and given themselves as well. And we're so grateful for our first responders. Uh, I am a big time supporter of our patriots as well as our first responders. And so I think as a, as a Christian, that's the way we're supposed to be. And to give honor to those that serve over and around us to sustain the laws of our land. And so we also recognize that many have lost their lives in that service. And so if you have a family member that lost their life in the first responder area, we would ask you to stand as well to recognize your sacrifice for us. Anybody in this service? We had some in the last. I don't see any. I'm grateful for that. Uh, thank you. Just wanted to pause and say thank you and appreciate that. also like to say thank you for last Sunday we had team Challenge with us. We were blessed to have those guys. So awesome. Yeah, we did our prayer ride on Saturday, and then they were, came with us to be in the service. Clayton and John spoke. Some of the guys came and shared their testimony. And at the end of the service, we had asked you to be faithful in giving to them and bless that ministry, and you did. And I want you to know that we took in $3,164.63 for Team Challenge. Yeah, it's awesome. Praise God. So thank you for that, because that really is. That's awesome. I'm super excited about what God's doing there. And uh, yeah, remember, they have a store on Speedway. If you're a thrift store person, uh, Blessing Dales is what it's called, and that money goes to support that ministry. So you can make donations there or purchase things there, or both, whatever you want to do. All right, next Sunday, we have baptism in the 915 service. 11 o'clock, we'll do dedication uh, of babies and children. So if you want to be a part of those, please sign up on our website. So right now, I want to change that. Uh, where we're at and where we're going, and just say today that we serve an amazing, perfect, holy God. He's so amazing, man. I am like blown away constantly by our God and who He is and what He does. Whenever you begin to study God's Word, as you look into it, you will begin to see like things peeled away, and it affirms that it's God. It affirms that God's word is truth and that it is him and he is the author of it. The Holy Spirit himself wrote through those men of God who were anointed by God to share his message with us. There's no question. He uses personalities and you see the personality of the writer, however, it is God's word in the midst of the personality. So as I speak to you today, you know, my personality shows up. It's who I am, but the message that I speak to you is God's word. Now, there's times like Dave will be in there, you know that, but you just ignore that part and listen to the God part, okay? And I want you to know it's his holy word that we're looking at that is incredible and blows my mind over and over again. As I study the scriptures, whenever you begin to look into things, like just say the festivals that God ordained in the Old Testament, the holy days that he um, made sacraments to the people for, the Old Testament law itself, the prophets and how they spoke, and everything God said, everything aligns in God-like fashion. No human being could figure this all out and write it out over thousands of years through a variety of authors and make it all work. Church, God's Word is amazing. and That's why I ask you, are you spending at least five minutes a day, five days a week in God's Word? Because it will transform your life. Kim and I, back in 1984, uh, we were married in 1983 as little children Uh, legally married at the age that we were, but I'm just saying we were little children, so you don't think we're old. Uh, We were married in 1983, okay? In 1984, we went to a special ministry seminar deal that was going on there, and the guy that was speaking challenged everyone there that we would make a covenant with God that we would spend at least five minutes a day in God's Word the rest of our lives. Covenant is a serious thing, That's why it's a marriage covenant, just everybody follows me. Covenant is serious. And when you begin to study covenant in the word of God, you know that God records covenants and he holds us to it. He's not like, just like, oh, well, that didn't work. No, he holds us to our word with him. So in 1984, Kim and I made a covenant with the Lord that we would spend five minutes a day in God's word minimum the rest of our lives. Now, in that moment, I want you to know that, you know, I was thinking like, oh, that's no big deal. Of course I'd do that. But when you're sick with the flu or you've had surgery or you're going through something or you've been up for 24 hours, that becomes something in those moments. But God has been our witness and he has helped us, and we've been faithful to that since 1984 to spend that time in God's word. Now, I'm telling you that because I want you to know that I believe by the Holy Spirit's power, but that spending that commitment to God's word in our lives has completely transformed me and my wife. You can't help it. When the Holy Spirit is in that word and God is speaking it into your life, he's going to transform you. And that's why I encourage you to do it. I'm only asking you to do it five minutes a day, five days a week, because I'm not asking you to make a covenant either. I'm just saying, hey, you ought to do this. Come on, make it happen. It's serious stuff and it's amazing. God's word is incredible. So I often repeat this and I say it because I've been walking with God since I was 19 years old and now I'm old. And as I've walked with God all these years, I'm like, God, you are. I mean, I'm still blown away. I got chills right now. I'm, I'm just in awe of God. He's amazing. And if you don't know him, I want you to know today he set you up to get to know him. I mean that. If you're in the service, you're watching online, God set you up today. Because today is an amazing day. It is a day that will speak to us about God and who he is and is why we are meeting together today in this service. Today is the celebration of Pentecost. So... It is a biblical festival celebration that God himself ordained, and it is the actual day today that we are gathered in the church, the day called Pentecost. Now, the word Pentecost comes from the Greek translation in the New Testament, and it simply means 50th. That's what it is. So Penta is that five, the Pentecost, it's the 50th. And now that'll all make sense to you here as we look at it, because what we're here for is to celebrate the birth of the New Testament church. It is the fulfillment of the promise of God through Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit, and it's just incredible. So I'm not sure if I said everything I needed to say and the way I needed to say it in the first service because I'm so excited about this stuff and I can get myself tied up and like excited and kind of da like so, but I want you to know this is amazing stuff even if I stammer. I just want you guys to know I don't care about that light. They aren't even listening. The altar's open over here for you guys that are playing with that light. If they weren't distracting you, they're distracting me. I have issues. Okay? You can just leave that light off. They can see the exit sign. It's fine. Or you can turn it on. Or you can just keep messing with it. It's okay. Seriously. If it goes on and off, obviously it's... In the name of Jesus, we rebuke that thing, right? Sorry, but I'm easily distracted. So I, was, I think I'm talking about Jesus in the Bible right now. So let's do this thing, right? Seriously, today's Pentecost, an amazing day. It was a feast that God called and established. So if you go back into the Old Testament, you know that God made a covenant with Abraham. He was going to bring his people out of slavery and bondage and make a nation out of them. So the people are serving Egypt and God sends Moses and says, I'm going to bring you out. God begins to bring them out. God has a plan. And he established the Old Testament law. But he also established some festivals, holidays, and celebrations for his people to engage in. So when you look into the Old Testament and you see what God did, it's, this is what I mean. No, no people could have done this. It's so God, it's amazing. So here it is. In the Old Testament, there are uh, this festival is called by three different names and the one that we call Pentecost in the Greek. But in the Hebrew, in the Old Testament, it's Feast of Weeks, the Day of Firstfruits, and the Feast of Harvest. All those are the same celebration, and they'll all make sense as we move along. Now, this feast, which we will call Pentecost from now on, because we're in the New Testament, that feast that God established was one of three feasts that God himself said, you will have a pilgrimage, men, wherever you are on planet Earth. For these celebrations, you will travel back to Jerusalem and be at my house. Okay, so God said three feasts a year, you will travel back and be in Jerusalem at the temple to celebrate these specific festivals and feasts that I'm ordaining. So this is what, like I said, I'm already getting chills and you don't even know what I'm talking about yet. Except, well, you're getting there. Let's go. You ready? So all three of the pilgrimages happened. This is what they were. So the first one was the Feast of Weeks, the the Pentecost. The second one was the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And the third one was the Feast of Tabernacles. So two of them happened in the spring and one of them happened in the fall. So these men, wherever they were, if they were following God's ways, they had to travel back to Jerusalem to be there at a specific time. Now, this is cool, so hear it out. Pentecost, this Feast of Weeks, was a holy convocation that God said is a day of rest where you couldn't do any ordinary work. So you couldn't do your job. So today, your job's off limits. Leave your computers alone. Don't do anything about your job and your work. God said, This is a special, holy day that I want with you. And there's a reason. And it's amazing. So here's what's going on now as God began this. This this festival of Pentecost was the beginning of the full harvest of the barley and the wheat. But there's something else going on that we need to look at before we get to that. So if you remember when we were celebrating Good Friday and Resurrection Sunday, the festival that was taking place at that time in the Jewish calendar that God ordained was that of Passover, right? Right? So we know that God himself established the Passover when the children of Israel were in Egypt. He told them to take the lamb, bring it in, and on the second week, kill it, put its blood over the doors, and stay inside the house under the blood, and God's death angel was going to come over. And if you were outside the house and not under the blood, you were going to die if you were the firstborn in the family. That happened to the animals as well. So God said... The Passover was when the Passover angel would come over, the angel of death that he would send. It would kill everyone that wasn't under the blood. So that lamb that was slain, now moving forward to Good Friday. The Passover meal takes place in the upper room. They're up there getting ready and all this stuff, and and here's Jesus. Now they take Jesus, and when they killed the lamb... He's hanging on the cross on Friday. John had declared already, behold the Lamb of God which takes away the sin of the world, right? And so here's Jesus, the Passover Lamb, shedding his blood for you and I. That was the beginning of Passover. Now if you go back into Exodus again, Leviticus numbers where God's giving the festivals, you'll know that on that day of Passover they did all this, they ate that dinner And then the very next day, he said, now make all your bread with no leaven and get leaven out of your house. And for the next seven days, you will only eat unleavened bread. And that is another festival that you must do before me. Okay, so Passover, unleavened bread, they all come together at this moment. And for those seven days, now, if you remember, God required a pilgrimage to that feast, So when Jesus died on the cross, Jerusalem was filled with men that followed God from all around the world. They were there to observe this. First-hand witnesses that Jesus died, and on Sunday, he resurrected. Now, here's something else that's cool. We're going to look at the scriptures that talk about this. So what's happening here now, the Passover sacrifice, Good Friday, then the Sabbath, which is Saturday, and Jesus is in the tomb, so day one was Friday, day two is Sabbath day, day three is Sunday morning. Now, the cool thing, we all know that Jesus arose on the first day of the week, Sunday, right? We know that, but listen, here's what happens too. There's a third feast that happens on this very same weekend. So you're celebrating Passover, unleavened bread, and there's another one It's called First Fruits. So in the fall, the Israelites were planting the winter wheat and the barley so that when the snow melted that began to grow immediately so it would be the very first harvest of the season on that very day that sunday that jesus would rise from the dead god had established for all the men to go into their field and take one cut of that barley that wheat and bring it to the priest now it wasn't fully ripened yet it was at the beginning stages, and that's why it's called First Fruits. And listen to what happens. They bring it to the priest, and the priest takes it, and he waves it before God. It was called a wave offering. And he did this, and he's waving that first little bundle of that wheat, and he's praying and asking God that there might be a great harvest later on in this season. Remember, resurrection Jesus is coming out of the grave while the priest is saying, let us have a great harvest. We trust you, God, and believe and know that you are the provider. Church, it's so cool when you begin to put this into concept and begin to get the connection that God is putting together for us. Because when you see this, the priest is standing there saying, we're believing for something great, God, that you're going to produce for us down the road. Here's Jesus conquering sin and death coming out of the grave and there is a festival coming that is celebrating a great harvest which, when we travel 50 days forward, is Pentecost. All right, established by God way back there in the Old Testament. So as he's praying and asking God that there would be a producing of a great harvest. It was happening on a Sunday, the first day of the week. Church, please understand this. People get going in their Christian life and someone's like, you should be worshiping on the Sabbath They No, listen, look what God did. God established something on the first day, a new beginning, a new covenant, the fulfillment of all that was old, and God made it new. It was a new beginning. And so these things that were happening were happening on Sunday, the first day of the week, and that priest is out there waving to God, and Jesus is coming out of the grave, and he's asking God for something great to happen, and God's like, it's happening. Here's the first one. There's a lot more coming. Get ready. Church, they're celebrating stuff that was an image of something they had no clue about. <laughs> so on that day, we know Jesus arose. Now, according to what God said, and we're going to go back to Leviticus, which is probably the first time you've heard me ever preach or read a verse in a service out of Leviticus, but we have to because according to God's law, on the day of firstfruits, that wave offering, he said, count seven sevens, 49 days, And on the 50th day, the day after the Sabbath, we'll establish that feast of weeks, the feast of harvest, this thing that God is doing that you're believing him for. So check it out. Like, get this all. God is so cool. He set them up. You understand that? God set them up. Just like I'm telling you, he set you up. And he set them up so that they could see he is God. And he is doing something amazing. And it's so cool how he does this, man. All right, so let's look at it. So the pilgrimage festival the priest was praying, it was asking for when he was waving it, so the people were there gathered in Jerusalem when this happened, and then he's praying for the next pilgrimage and believing God for the 50 days later. So we're going to read in Leviticus 23. From the day after the Sabbath which would be Sunday, the day you bring the bundle of grain to be lifted up as a special offering, count off seven full weeks. Keep counting until the day after the seventh Sabbath, 50 days later. Then present an offering of new grain to the Lord. All right, so here's what was happening. The wave offering was saying, I believe that you're going to do something. Now after 50 days, it's like God... You did something, we know it, and we're believing you right now and we're praising you for what you have done. Okay, check it out, church. This is what's going down then. So here's the pilgrimage, the first harvest, all around the death of, in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And now these men are gathered together again from all over the world, and it's Acts chapter 2. So check it out here in Acts chapter 2. <laughs> On the day of Pentecost, so seven sevens, 49 days, the Sabbath, now it's Sunday again. Here we are on that Pentecost Sunday. All the believers were meeting together in one place. Why were they there? Because God told them to, to come together for this festival, right? So now all these that had believed and saw the resurrection of Jesus Christ, watch him ascend into heaven on the 40th day, are now gathered together in this upper room celebrating the Feast of Weeks. Believing in God for the abundant harvest that he promised. So now in the midst of this celebration, check it out, on the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Man, that's awesome. So it says that wind was rocking through the city. Then what looked like flames of tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. Check it out. is that cool? Church, listen, man, it's so good when we stop and listen to God's word. Because right here when we begin to read this, some people in the church get all cringy and weird. Because people have either been a part of or heard of, and people talking about speaking in tongues and all that. If we would just relax, not get all caught up in ourselves or people, and listen to God, it'll all make sense and we can relax in it and let God be God. So let's do that right now, okay? Can we just listen to what God actually says in his word to us so that we can hear it? Listen to what he tells us. The sound of wind comes... Fire falls on each of them. They're filled with the Holy Spirit. Remember Jesus told them that would happen? Acts 1.8, but wait, the promise of the Father is coming. The Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. You're going to receive power to be my witness. There's a reason for that power. There's a reason for that presence to be a witness for Jesus. Okay, so check it out. So, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit, began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. Ooh, God set them up. They did the pilgrimage. They were there for the Feast of Weeks. But they were coming from other nations where they spoke different languages. Yeah, check it out. God might know what he's doing after all. So here they are. They're from, you know, Germany and Russia and Arabia and all these other nations. And that's their native tongue. But they serve God. And now they're being faithful because they know they're supposed to be in Jerusalem. So there they are. But they don't speak the Hebrew or the Greek or the Aramaic that's going on there. So listen to it, church. It's, I love how awesome God is. Yes. <laughs> so here it is. As they were gathered there from other nations, when they heard the loud noise, everyone came running. So they heard the wind. And everybody came out to see, like, what is that? What is happening right now, right? So God drew them. God drew them right out. He set them up. First off, he made them do this pilgrimage for thousands of years for this moment. The wind brings them out into the streets from whatever they were doing, the festivals, the the, the meals, the prayers, the family time. Nope. Come on out. You got to hear something. So now they go out into the streets, and it says everyone came running out there, right? Right? So as God draws them in, this is God's word. And they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. (laughs) They were completely amazed. That's God right there, just so you know. I'm reading God's word. They were completely amazed. How can this be? They exclaimed. These people are all from Galilee. And yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. Here we are, and he goes on and lists a bunch of nations they came from, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, province of Asia, Ferga, Pamphla, Egypt, and the areas of Libya around Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. Okay, so we get this list, it's like, look, there were people from everywhere around the world, and they spoke the languages from the nations they came from. Listen to the next statement that it's made. And we all hear these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things God has done. Oh, man, is that beautiful or what? Man, church, see, the gift of this language was heard and understood by everyone. So if you come from a Pentecostal-type church, charismatic-type background, or you visited one of them, And you hear people, what they talk about, speaking in tongues. Now, I'm not getting deep into a discussion on that aspect for this moment. I'm just going to look here in Acts 2 for right now. Listen to what God's word says. So sometimes people talk about Acts 2 speaking in tongues, and it's like a babbling kind of ununderstood, unintelligible language, and then someone has to interpret it. So that, that many in the, a Christian church will declare that that's what they're doing, and they affirm it to Acts 2. However, when you read in God's Word, it was a gift of language that everyone understood. God's Word says it. They all heard. The thing that blew them away is they knew they were like, like me. You're looking at me. You're like, he's just a straight-up white guy, Right? And he can't speak any other languages, and I can't. I mean, I can read a Taco Bell menu. That's about my Spanish limit. I may not even pronounce those right. Okay, so they're looking at me, and they're like, he only knows English. I know that. But here he is speaking the wonderful things God has done in Russian. And I get it. I hear it. It's clear as a bell. Like, this is what the Holy Spirit did. The Holy Spirit spoke through them so that everyone heard the good news of Jesus Christ. They did not go out there and tell them about them needing the Holy Spirit. They ended up telling them they need him. But what they were preaching to everyone that was listening in awe and amazement was, Jesus is the Messiah. He died and rose again and you need him. Right? It's right there in the word of God. So it's like we didn't need an interpreter. It wasn't necessary. The Holy Spirit himself was the interpreter. He was the gift. He is the gift. And he's speaking into the hearts of lost people. Look at the word. We go back in Acts 2 verse 12. They stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean? They asked each other. So they're like blown away. Like, you are hearing this? I'm hearing this. This is crazy. What does it mean? Okay. But others in the crowd ridiculed them saying, they're just drunk. That's all. You know, church, there will always be those who hear and listen to what God has to say, and there will always be those who mock and don't listen to what God has to say. See, it's happening right here. Now the Holy Spirit is poured out on all flesh. So you understand this? That doesn't mean all flesh has the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is on all flesh. The Holy Spirit is convicting of sin, drawing people to God, and indwells those who believe. He does not indwell those who do not believe, but He's present and He's calling. And so as we listen to the word of God, we listen to what it says. Listen, but others in the crowd ridiculed them saying they're just drunk. That's all. Then Peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles and shouted to the crowd, listen carefully all of you fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem. Make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk as some of you are assuming. Nine o'clock in the morning is much too early for that. Should maybe highlight that. All right. No, what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. Time out. Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, is now calling everyone into one moment. And here's what he's going to say. God set us up for this moment. And it happened hundreds of years ago when the prophet Joel was speaking by God to his people. And now, by the power of the Holy Spirit, Peter is going to quote Joel, and this is where we're going to read right now. Know, what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel, "In the last days, God says, "I will pour out my spirit upon all people." Pause time out again. So God himself spoke to the prophet Joel that the last days would begin at Pentecost. It's not some new phenomenon where people are saying, oh, this is the sign of the end days. Guys, the sign of the end days was 2,000 years ago at Pentecost. God said so. God said so. So I don't care what any prophet today self-proclaimed or other says. God said it happens today, which was Pentecost when the Holy Spirit fell. So Peter, under the influence of the Holy Spirit, is making this declaration to everybody. So now listen to God's declaration. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. That's a direct quote from the Old Testament prophet Joel that Peter is affirming on the day of Pentecost, this is the moment that this is unfolding right now. Man, is it awesome, isn't it? God is so good. So we're going to pause here for a moment because I don't want to dwell on this for long, but it has to be brought out because you see, when God says in those days I will pour out my spirit even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy... God says women are going to prophesy and men are going to prophesy. I mean, we should all say amen to that, no matter what some church taught you or what you think. God said men and women alike will prophesy, right? So it's not a matter of like what this church teaches or what I think. I don't care what you think or what a church or what I think. God said I'm going to pour out my spirit and it's going to fall on men and women alike and both men and women are going to prophesy, Okay, so as we look at the word of God, not church dogma, God has something to say to us right here. And it's important that we hear it. Because you see, when you look at that word prophesy in the Greek language, and you open that up in that definition, you know how our English language has like this statement, this, state, all these, this word means all these different things. This word's the same way. So listen to what all of it means. Here's what it means. The word prophesy used here means to prophesy, hello, to be a prophet, speak forth by divine inspirations to predict. So God's telling us that he's going to use men and women both to speak on the influence of the Holy Spirit with divine inspiration. Oh. oh, that kind of goes against a lot of church's teachings right there, doesn't it? like men shouldn't preach or teach, I mean women shouldn't uh, preach or teach. No, God says they're going to do this. Under the influence of the Holy Spirit, they're going to do this. Okay, it goes on and says something else here, right? The second thing to prophesy, the third definition, the idea of foretelling future events pertaining especially to the kingdom of God. I love this because you see so many self-proclaimed prophets talk about so much other stuff. And the meaning of this is always pointing back to Jesus and the kingdom of God, always. See, that's where God's focus is. Just like when um, Pastor Mike was talking about the heart, the heart, the heart, it's Jesus is always looking at the heart and it's always about the kingdom of God and our relationship with him. It's what it's always about. Number four, to utter forth, declare a thing which can only be known by divine revelation. So it's speaking God's word. A word from God coming forth is what God's word says. So it is a word given by divine revelation. The next thing says to break forth under sudden impulse in lofty discourse or praise of the divine counsels. So it's like bursting forth like, God, you are amazing. I praise you today, God. You are incredible. You blow me away, Lord. I love you. You're so great. You're an amazing God. I'm here to serve you. Number six, under like prompting to teach, refute, reprove, admonish and comfort others. Huh, isn't that the discourse to a pastor that's in 1st Timothy? It is, in case you didn't know. You can read it. All right, so it's like God's already saying like, look, I've already I'm doing this. It's me. It's the Holy Spirit because see in the Old Testament that would have never been acceptable. In many cultures, it wouldn't be acceptable. See, God doesn't care about culture view or anything else. He's God. And he says, this is what's going to happen, and I'm going to make it happen. So therefore, church, we should just surrender to what he says and does and let him be God. Stop trying to tell him how he should do his job. Number seven, to act as a prophet, discharge the prophetic office. Ephesians 4, 11, and 12, and we're going to leave this right here. Now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do His work and build up the church, the body of Christ. Okay, so see, the whole idea now we've had people that disagree with me and they've left and never came back to church and that's fine they can go wherever they want to I don't care I'm going to speak God's word whether people like it or not and I'm going to live by it so I want you to hear this and yeah but I want you to hear it the right way see when God gives these fivefold offices a prophet is included in one of those that is called to equip God's people to do the work of the service which men and women both are supposed to do so we should never even have that discussion again or a question about it. It's settled because God said so. If you don't agree, talk to him about it. You'll lose. Let's go back to the harvest, all right? So we're going to go back to the great harvest, not that first fruit wave offering harvest. We're going to go to the second festival, that great harvest that's happening at the and that Jesus is, I mean, that Peter's preaching Jesus at. So we go back into that message that he's talking about. The prophet Joel said this. We're jumping down into verse 37. Peter's words pierced their hearts, and they said to him and to the other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? I love this because, you see, remember in John 16 when Jesus said the Holy Spirit's going to come and he's going to convict the world of sin, of God's righteousness and coming judgment. We see it happening on the very day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit fell upon all flesh. We see the Holy Spirit active, bringing conviction in the heart of those who listened Not the ones that said, oh, they're drunk, I don't care about. Them. No, the ones that heard, it pierced their heart. If you have a piercing in your heart, an uncomfortableness, a sweaty palm, a nervousness inside of you, that's the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is saying, I want you to change. I want you to come. I want you to let me be God and I will transform who you are. That's God doing that, just like he's doing it right here with these people. That's the way God works. The reason we have an altar call is so that you can respond. When the Holy Spirit is moving and stirring and calling, you need to respond. And here he is right here. What should we do? Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God. Okay, we're not done there, but this is important for us to get this. Remember, this is a Holy Spirit anointed message. You can say anything you want about what I'm talking and how I'm talking today. I don't care. What we are reading right here is a Holy Spirit anointed message from God's Word. And the message from God's Word is this. Each of you, us, me included, must repent of our sins and turn to God. The word repent that is used there in the Greek language is a military word. So here's what's happening. It tells us in that word that as someone's going forward, marching, repent means to do an about-face and go the other direction. So now when you look at that and put it into context, this is the message that's being preached to these people. It's saying each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God. In other words, we're no longer pursuing sin. We're no longer living the way we used to live for self, flesh, and all that stuff that comes with it. We're not continuing to live in that brokenness that used to own us. No, he's saying the reason the Holy Spirit is convicting you in the first place and drawing you is so that you would repent of that life, turn from it, and begin to what? Turn to God instead. A lot of people just think they just like repent and just keep going. Dude, that's not what it's about. You can say, I'm sorry, and if you keep doing what you're doing, you're not sorry, nor have you repented. True repentance means change. You no longer do the things you used to do. You repent, you turn to God. This is God's word, remember. Each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Okay, so here's the scenario. Repent, turn, be baptized. God's word. Okay? He didn't say be baptized and you will repent and turn. He said repent, turn, be baptized. That's why I don't baptize babies. They can't repent. They haven't turned. They don't even know anything yet. It's not biblical. There's not one verse in the Bible that tells us to baptize babies. Churches have established that for some stupid reason. Churches have done a lot of things that God's word doesn't say anything about. That's men, that's not God. And so God says this, the baptism that he's calling us to is a baptism of what? Wait, in the name of Jesus Christ. Oh, so what we're doing here is repenting, turning to God, and in our baptism, recognizing that my salvation is only because of Jesus Christ. That's the gospel. That's the good news of the kingdom, man. This is what it's all about. That's what we're celebrating today. Man, it's like, oh, wow, like, oh, it all makes sense when you just shut up and get out of the way. It's right there. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. A sequential order here. For some reason, we've lost this. I mean, I've talked to people, they say, oh, I was baptized in the Spirit before I ever turned. Well, sorry, but that's not biblical, and you probably should have rebuked that Spirit and asked God to help you. Because he said, test the spirits that they're of God. Because there's lying spirits that come to us. The devil himself comes as an angel of light to deceive the world. So just because you're under the influence of a spirit doesn't mean it's the Holy Spirit. The Word of God says that the spirit falls on those who have repented and received Christ as their Savior. You don't get that spirit until that happens. The Holy Spirit has fallen with conviction to draw us to God. But once we come to God, repent and turn, then the Holy Spirit can indwell. That's the word of God, man. It's right there. Okay, so Dave doesn't need to belabor it. It's right there written for us. Acts 2, read it on your own. Verse 38, let's go. This promise is to you, to your children, and to those far away. That's me and you. (laughs) I love it, man, when God does this and he's like, Dave, I included you right there. This is for you. When you turn, repent, or baptize, you will receive the Holy Spirit. It's you, man. I'm doing this for you all far off. That's me and you in this church. That's all of you online. God has this available for us. He's so amazing, and he included us in his plan all the way back in the very beginning. Thank you, God. All who have been called by the Lord our God. Then Peter continued preaching for a long time. Amen. Thank you, Brother Peter. (laughs) All right, you guys get off easy, man. I mean, you know, seriously. Like, we're in church for an hour and 15 minutes or something, and, like, I won't tell you how much time the worship team does their thing, but I'm just saying, like, it's not me talking the whole time. But biblically, I should be able to. Peter, continue... Just a kidding, relax, it's all right. Then Peter continued preaching for a long time, strongly urging all of his listeners, save yourselves from this crooked generation. Man, church, I want to shout it out to you today. Turn to God, repent of your sin, get baptized, filled with the Holy Spirit, get away from the wickedness that's in this world all around us today. Man, it is evil. The same evil that was present on the day of Pentecost. Same corruption in churches, same corruption in teaching, same corruption in politics, same stuff. You know why? Because it's sin. Still there. Church, we need to turn away from that stuff and get a hold of what God has for us. Now this is the cool part. Remember the, the festival we were talking about? So the wave offering happens on the day of resurrection. Now we're coming back together for this great harvest time. Listen to the word of God on the day of Pentecost. Those who believe what Peter said were baptized and added the church that day, about 3,000 in all. Day one of the resurrection of Jesus Christ was one, Jesus Christ. Fifty days later, the great harvest that was waved and prayed for by the priest himself, not having a clue what he was doing. (laughs) And here we are on that day, and Jesus sends the Holy Spirit down, and the promise of the Father is fulfilled And there in Jerusalem on that day, a great harvest began. And that great harvest continues to today. And you and I are a part of that. See, we're in that festival of the harvest that God has promised and given. It's amazing. Church, the harvest season will come to an end. It does. Every season. But we are still living in the season of Pentecost, that harvest of God that began on the day of Pentecost. Church, that great harvest is happening. The message of Jesus, the Messiah, the death and resurrection, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, it's all a part of God's plan. And it's beautiful. And we're in it. And we have the privilege to be a part of it and experience it in our lives Do you know, as I read the word of God and I see all those prophets that lived their entire lives talking about this day, looking for, hoping and praying and believing and they never saw it. They died hoping. And here we are. (laughs) Undeserving as we are, living right in the midst of it. Man, the Holy Spirit is right here. He is in us. He's available to those that aren't and don't know him yet, and God is giving us this opportunity to be part of his harvest kingdom. Amazing stuff, church. God bless you, man. This is awesome. God is so good. Man, is he awesome. Thank you, Lord. I'm on my action steps. Have you repented of your sin and turned to God, and have you been baptized in your faith? If you haven't, I want you to know Baptism Sunday is next Sunday, and if you have not been baptized in your faith, get baptized in your faith. Sign up for that. Have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? You know he's in you. See church, the word of God tells us that the Holy Spirit brings an affirmation to us that he is in us and we are a child of God. God does that and it's only him. We can't manufacture that. The church can't do it. Only God. He's amazing. The last one is, are you ready to meet God for the day of judgment? Oh yeah. Like, you know how freeing that is? Because the Holy Spirit's the one that's saying, you know, I convicted you of sin. I'm convicting you of God's righteousness. You need to live your life right. And I'm convicting you because there's a day you're going to give account to him. All right, man, I'm ready for that. Isn't that awesome how God has given us everything like that? It's so cool. If you don't know him, if you're watching online, you're in the house, today's the day. I want you to know God did set you up. He did because he loves you. And he set you up to know him in this personal way and to see that he is God alone. And all this was his plan. The altar's open if you want to come. It's always open. Please take advantage of that. Would you stand with me? If the Holy Spirit's convicted you of anything, I don't care what it is. It could be something I didn't even talk about. It doesn't matter what I've talked about. If the Holy Spirit's stirring inside of you, respond to him. He loves you. I want to express to you how grateful I am that you're here today. (laughs) Oh, God, thank you. I'm so humbled. (laughs) I am an unworthy vessel for you to dwell in, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for making me worthy through your blood to be able to experience the presence of the living God within. <laughs> oh, thank you, God. <laughs> thank you, God. Pray for those that are listening today that don't know you. Maybe some that are mocking and Holy Spirit, just strike them. I don't know. It's the truth, God. They need you. Those that are hearing you, the feeling, the promptings of the Spirit stirring within, I pray, God, that they would understand that you love them, that you want transformation for them, that you have the power and the ability to transform who they were to who you died to make them. Thank you for that, God. Continue to transform us. We want to be Christ-like. We want to be used for you and for your glory and your kingdom. We thank you today, Lord. We give you glory, honor, and praise as we celebrate Pentecost. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, thank you, God. Amen. Thank you, God. Yeah, thank you, Jesus, man. I I think we should give like a, a wave offering of clap to the Lord. I really do. Like, thank you, Lord, man. You're amazing. Oh, God, thank you. Thank you, God. Yes, go share the good news of the kingdom, man. God bless you. Thank you for being here.